0: For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.
1: Joining us now to talk UFC, and no doubt I'll be uh, wasting all my punting money on this this weekend, Uh, Ravinda Hunia from Sky Sports joins us. G'day, Ravinda, how are you?
0: Mor, I'm good,
1: thank you. It's a story mate. How much are you looking forward to UFC 280 this weekend?
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. That press conference really helped with the excitement levels yesterday, so I'm really <laughs> eager to see how these fights go down.
1: Yeah, I mean Sean O'Malley might look a bit like um, uh, Ronald McDonald on crack, but uh, I mean <laughs> the, the the way that that went down, that he certainly provides entertainment. I just looked at his ranking and went, it's number 12 versus number one in the Bantams. How has this happened? How has this matchup happened at UFC 280? Because I mean, if he can somehow uh, finish Peter Yant, surely he is then in line to, to take on the winner of TJ Dillashaw and Algermaine Sterling?
0: Absolutely, that's natural progression, right? If you're fighting the number one contender and you win then you get that title shot. So to be uh, ranked 12th and to get that opportunity is huge for Sean O'Malley. I think a lot of it to do <clears throat> sorry is to do with what he brings to the UFC. He's a very entertaining fighter. He brings a different type of um, audience to the UFC as well. People want to see you know what happens to Sean O'Malley when he goes into a fight. Of course, he does very very well. But in the same token, ranked number twelve, he hasn't fought any of the heavy hitters of the bantamweight division. So to be put into a you know, a, a cage with Peter Yarn, who's number one, who has fought at the top, is going to be a very interesting fight.
1: I mean, both of these guys like to stay on their feet, right? It's very unlikely this mm. this fight is going to go to the mat. Um, how do you think Peter Yarn approaches this? Is this about trying to take Sean O'Malley past the third round, or is he just going to take it round by round?
0: I think uh, one thing that, Uh, Peter Yan has come accustomed to is fighting a five round fight so now he's back to three with Sean O'Malley so the urgency will need to be up there for Peter Yan. He is traditionally quite a slow starter he does take a round or two to you know suss out his opponent so he's going to have to get the ball rolling, rolling quite quickly with Sean O'Malley with only three rounds to work with. He's you mentioned, a stand-up fighter. He fights out of Tiger Muay Thai, um, but he does have a bit of wrestling under him, so he can, you know, try and shoot and try and get points that way. Um, But I do expect to see this as a slugfest. He'll be trying to work that pocket big time, get on the inside of Sean O'Malley, who is a really great, long-rangey fighter.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is uh, where uh, O'Malley does have the advantage. I think, what's his reach advantage? About five inches, isn't it? So, uh, I mean, Peter Young's used to fighting bigger guys, but uh, it's certainly going to be an interesting matchup, and as I say, styles make fights.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and this one's going to be very, very exciting. Sean O'Malley's is no stranger to fighting shorter guys. To be fair, he's actually you know quite tall naturally to be in a bantamweight division. He looks quite odd being so tall and skinny in his division. And, you know, the majority of fighters are quite short, so it's no, uh, it's not un, you know uncommon for him to fight. Fight is that short, but in saying that, the calibre that Peter Yarn brings to this fight is something he's never faced before.
1: Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I look at things like the average fight time and say Peter Yarn's average fight time is sixteen minutes, so this guy's not going to guess, right? He's still going to be uh, he's still going to be throwing like it's the beginning, of round one at the end of round three. I guess the question is, what's Sean O'Malley do if this goes the distance? How does he look by then?
0: I think he looks okay, to be fair. Like, I I think, again, because it's a three-round fight, this is Sean O'Malley's world. He's not, you know, it's not um, foreign for him to be fighting fights that go the distance. His gas tank, I feel, has never been an issue for him. Um, I do think, though, that Sean O'Malley will be, perhaps wanting to finish that fight because I'm not quite sure what his output will look like against a Peter Young, who's you know really fast and dynamic who can perhaps put, lay a lot more punches and throws um, in a fight than perhaps Sean can because he's throwing from distance and you know going for precision rather than volume at the best of times maybe give or take one or two of his fights so I don't think gas tank will be a problem for either fighter, it's just going to be who can impose their will the best.
1: Yeah I mean Peter Yan half his fights, well half his wins have gone to decision would that suggest to you maybe he he doesn't have the power to finish someone like O'Malley
0: yeah perhaps perhaps he could be right there um, and you know again five round fights makes for a very different look Um a lot of the times you, you can get to the third round and go, come on Peter Jan, you need to put your foot down, you need to do something seriously quickly now. And then in the last two um, rounds of a fight, he, it, it all comes, it all unfolds and he's throwing and he's, you know, and it's a lot more of a war in those last two rounds. So if he can get in there quicker and impose his will and power faster, I think he will have ha- will have success in that area. But Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he can actually do that.
1: Yeah, now the winner of that fight, as I mentioned, uh, will probably uh, get a fight in the next few months against the winner of Aljamain Sterling and TJ Dillashaw. Um, That is the bantamweight title bout at UFC 280. Aljamain Sterling, once again, we've got a taller guy. Well, not a taller guy, but a guy with a big reach advantage uh, here. You know, he's got a four-inch reach advantage on TJ. Um, But I look at this and I I wonder, I'm not a TJ Dillashaw fan, but he he has pop, man, and he can, he can knock guys out. Uh, Aljamain Sterling is not that fighter, and he doesn't tend to submit a lot of guys either. He tends to be a guy that just dominates fights and then wins on the cards, right? So for me, this if I'm going anywhere, I'm probably going to Dillashaw on this.
0: Yeah, and no, I don't think you're alone uh, in that prediction. Uh, at the moment, even considering, TJ Dillashaw, I think, has only had one fight in the last two years. Mm. You know, he hasn't been one of the most active fighters. So that is, you know, something to consider because ring rust is a real thing. And then you're jumping into a five-rounder title fight. And that is just another level completely. Whereas Al has been here for a little while now. Um, but you're right. Al Jermaine's um, reach advantage is actually quite, it's quite weird how long his arms are, but it makes for, you know, when he goes for those shoots and he's going for takedowns that's his advantage and you're right he's not really submitting guys on the ground but he is trying to take them into deep waters and drown them on the ground get that control time and win off the cards but I'm excited to see what TJ Dillashaw can bring too because he does bring that excitement factor we remember those wars that he had against Cody Garbrandt where you know it's a stand and bang type thing and I'm just not too sure if Aljamain Sterling would be able to you know, withstand that type of storm. You're probably going to see him trying to take him to the ground more often than not.
1: And that's the other thing is TJ Dillashaw has a really low center of gravity, particularly the way he fights. He's got quite a wide stance, and his takedown mm. defense is like I think eighty eighty odd percent. So I mean, he's a hard guy to get off his feet. I mean, you you kind of I I, I kind of wonder if we're going to see sort of you know a a street Jesus Ben Askren type uh, scenario where maybe the knees come into this. You know.
0: Yeah, perhaps, and at the same time, TJ Dillashaw will want to be putting on a show here. Um, To come back after, you know, a a bit of a layoff and to get a title shot is is a big deal. So he's going to be wanting to, you know make an impression and I think that even if he doesn't get this fight going his way, he's still in a good place in terms of he's just fought the champion, he's still going to get those high caliber guys so he's going to want to be exciting, he's going to want to put on a show, you're probably going to see maybe things that you haven't seen before him trying new things because he will be able to do that against a fighter like Jermaine Sterling who will want to take that fight to the ground so striking wise he may have a little bit of freedom to get quite creative
1: TJ's also a bloke who's bigger than, than, yeah he Fights bigger than he is, you know. I mean, like uh, looking mm. at his stats, five six hundred and fifty pounds, but he's got an ego that's about six six three hundred pounds, right? So, I mean, his self belief is through the roof.
0: Absolutely, and that comes down to a lot of experience as well. You know, he's uh, he's been at this rodeo, you know, many times before, so he he knows what it takes and and has those years um behind him of, you know, cancelling out crowds, um, cancelling out cameras and things like that, going in there, getting the job done. He comes from that old school mentality, you know, the um Uriah Faber, you know, um, era. Mm. So I think yeah, you know, he has that experience behind him to be able to get away with that, most he, definitely. He
1: trained with Uriah Faber for quite some time too, didn't he?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, they were cornering each other, alpha male, um, yep. fighting out of the Alpha Male gym. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So looking forward to that. What's your what's your call on that fight? Which way do you think it's gonna go?
0: Oh, I thought I was going to get away with that
1: one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> never, never.
0: <laughs> no, um, I'm going to back TJ Dillashaw as well. I think he comes with more tools in the belt. Yep, and uh, it'd be nice to be nice to see uh, TJ back on top.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, it's that it's that pop that he's got that I think you know when it, someone like Eljirmaine Sterling, you got to go 25 rounds and not get caught, and you have got to last 25 rounds with a guy who has knockout power. And I just don't know that he's um, you know after we've seen. I mean, Pete Yarn was unlucky in that first fight against him, wasn't he, with the the DQ? I I, I just wonder how he'll go against somebody like this. And, you know, I mean, how good would TJ Dillish or Pete Yarn be as a title fight in a few months?
0: Oh, that would be absolutely exciting to watch. Two strikers, you know, on the feet. But, you know, if it does go to the ground, you know, the scramble's going to be just as exciting as well. So. I would, I would even, you know, argue that a Sean O'Malley TJ Dillashaw mm. fight would probably be exciting as well.
1: Yeah, no, well, yeah, I think either, either in that in that case, because yeah, a couple of strikers going at it is uh, is what you love to see in the UFC. Uh, let's talk about the uh, the main event: uh, Charles Oliveira up against Islam mm. Makhachev the uh, lightweight title fight. Uh, it's going to be the opposite of what I just talked about. There's going to be a lot of cuddling <laughs> on the floor
0: in this fight. I think. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, that's both their strengths, obviously. And, um, yeah, this fight is quite intriguing because we spoke about, you know, Sean O'Malley not fighting those those top guys of the division in, in bantamweight. And Islam Makachev is, is kind of in the same boat despite being ranked um, number four. He's just such a dominant fighter in the way that he goes about his business. And as you mentioned, a lot of it on the ground. He's from Dagestan. He's coming out of, you know, Khabib's camp. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of wrestling involved. And this is probably although Charles Oliveira does have strong jiu-jitsu and he's shown that in his fights, he hasn't come up against competition on the ground like Islam. And
1: I think to an extent, he's Charles Oliveira is something different for Makachev as well, right? Because the Dagestanis wrestle differently to, say, uh, the Brazilians, particularly the the, the BJJ exponents. Um, so this this could be interesting. I, I look at, at stats, and, you know, stats don't always tell you the whole story, mm. uh, Ravinda, but I do look at this and I go, Takedown defense for Makachev is 88%. Takedown defense for Oliveira is 57%. And takedown accuracy for Makachev is 65 For Oliveira, it's 40 So Oliveira loses on both of those. So you've got to say that, given this is going to be on the deck, it does look like it's in
0: favour of Mukachev. I I agree with you, but kind of don't at the same time. Because I feel um islam makachev's you know one goal is to get a fighter on the ground and drown him there mm. charles Oliveira, however he likes to go to the ground he chooses to go to the ground so i sometimes feel like if he does go down he uses it as an option because he wants to be on his back and he wants to fight from there mm. i think on the ground olivera has more in his um you know repertoire to finish a fight down there than Islam, but Islam is just more accurate at getting the guy down there up against the cage. You'll see Islam come out, strike, 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 push you back up against the cage, take you down, and then, you know, a ground and pound on the ground. Whereas with Olivera, I think you take him down anywhere in the cage, whether it be against the cage or in the middle or whatever, he's got submissions for days. So I think it's it's actually quite dangerous once they're down there. You don't really know how it's going to go because if Charles Olivera, sees an available limb of Islam Makachev, I don't think that it will survive. So the precision in this instance will have to be very, very accurate because Islam will not be able to make one mistake on any of the shoots or anything he does on the ground because Charles Oliveira will just gobble it up. So I think... I think on the ground I would give it to Oliveira off his back. But, okay. Uh, Oliveira on top might be a different story.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's particularly, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, the way you put that? Because uh, if they both get what they want, um, it, you know, it's it's the it's exactly what the other guy wants. You know, one wants to fight off his back, yeah. one wants to get the other guy down there. Um, and yeah, I mean, what are you thinking? Armbar, body triangle—is that how Oliveira's is going to win this then? Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. Again, it all depends on the positioning, right? A lot of the times, um, Oliveira actually ends up on the ground because he's knocked down. He gets knocked down quite. um, Despite he's become quite a strong boxer and striker, but um, you know he gets knocked down and once he's on the ground then he seems to just be able to pull submissions out of nowhere even though you know he's half dazed so, um, I, I think he you know he just adapts to what's in front of him and he sees what's available and responds to that he doesn't really go down there with okay when I get on the ground I'm going to wrap my legs around him or I'm going to pull guard or anything like that he just sees what's on offer and works from there and that's why he's had so much success that's why he's coming up if he wins this fight a 12 win you know streak because of his ability to just adapt to whatever is in front of him as opposed to I'm gonna do this, this and this and if it doesn't work, I'm, you know, I'm a fish out of water.
1: Yeah, okay, Ravinda, I wanna fill my bear fridge this weekend, uh on the back of the UFC two eighty. <laughs> uh you've already tipped TJ Dillashaw he's two dollar forty outsider, or Sterling painter buck fifty five. Uh you going Oliveira mm. to beat uh Makachev?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna rock the boat on that one. Um, not it's not uncommon for Oliveira the, you know, champ former champ to come in as the underdog and mm. he still cleans it up. I'm gonna I'm gonna back Oliveira. I know Islam is the is the favourite. I know he's got Khabib in his corner, and I know he comes with the whole of um, Abu Dhabi behind him, but um, I'm going to back I'm going to back Charles Oliveira. All
1: right, and uh, just quickly before I let you go, uh, I don't, don't know if I got a prediction from you. Jan O'Malley, which way are you going?
0: I'm going to go Sean O'Malley with that one.
1: You're taking all the Everybody outsiders. Upset. All
0: the outsiders. <laughs> yeah. Hey, good stuff, uh,
1: Ravinda. Thank you very much for your time, mate, and enjoy UFC uh, 280 this weekend, eh?